Hey guys, and welcome to Amplified Wellness Podcast. Chris Barnes here. I am absolutely thrilled with my guest today. She's coming to you all the way from Asheville in Carolina over in the States. She is a lady with over 20 years experience in the health and wellness industry, a transformational coach, a best-selling author of the incredible book, Codes of Longevity. I'm uh, halfway through that book at the moment. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've got some, some interesting questions to ask. Uh, okay. Also, a, a Chief Limitless Officer at Apiron Academy of Epigenetics, which is uh, a really interesting field that I can't wait to discuss as well. So grateful to welcome Dr. Melissa Grill-Peterson onto Amplified Wellness. So it was really interesting. I'll never forget when I finally left for college and and then, you know, there was kind of like, you could have access to therapists and counselors and all these things. And I thought, hey, I am really feeling stuck. I, I feel less than. I grew up with a certain way of perceiving myself and I'm going to go talk to a therapist. And I'll never forget the moment I went to this particular therapist. I'm not making a judgment about all therapists because I know there's amazing ones out there. But at this time um, in my life, the one I went to was exactly what I needed because she's told me all the things she wasn't listening. I didn't feel heard. She was like, well, you know what your problem is? And uh, she's like, this is all about money. I'm like, no, this isn't about money. This is, this is about my identity and how I've grown up. And my point of sharing this is that very moment I realized I'm being, I felt like I was less than, and somebody is seeing me even less than I saw myself and they're not understanding. So I've got to go figure this out. And when I had to go figure it out for myself, figure out my own well-being, take accountability for myself, it had to start with myself first. I became my first client. And I think that happens for many of us, right? In our own kind mm -hmm. of personal growth and development, our own health and wellness journeys, whether it's starting with a physical ailment, you know, there is that, that moment, the hero's journey where we are called into the story. Well, that was really my moment. I'd already been struggling. I was already dealing with issues and things and perception of self, but I innately knew that there was more. And I'm so glad, right, for people and their limiting beliefs about how they viewed my own potential. I knew something more was possible. And and I've never looked back, Chris. And, and what I gained at such an early age in my early 20s was this knowing. Even though I didn't have the words, I didn't have the science, I didn't have the research back then. But I just had this knowing, like, wait a minute, too many people are trying to put us in boxes. Too many people are trying to impose their view, their limitations, and there's something much bigger going on here. And that's when I fell in love with uncovering, unlocking, and truly igniting the limitless potential within. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Was this pre or post Nitro <laughs> dancing. For those not aware, Dr. Mel was uh, Spice, Spice in the WWC Nitro Girls dancing. Yes, yes, this was pre, and yet it's what actually led me there. And so, interestingly enough, yeah. the one thing, like I told you, I had that poster. And so, I started dancing when I was about two and a half years old. Dance was my first love. And dance to me was through all the trauma and drama of life as a young child, adolescent, teen. It was the thing that gave me my place of empowerment, my place of where I was able to just find myself and find my creativity and express. And, and so 
it was interesting. Um, I actually, on this kind of path to more, I thought I was going to go to law school. Now I was dancing. I was in fitness. I was doing all that kind of stuff. And, and I had moved to Atlanta with my then boyfriend who was going to become a doctor of chiropractic and went to this, to the university. And, um, and shortly, and I thought I was going to go to law school. And then I had kind of this identity crisis going, I'm in my, I'm like 22 and I don't know who the heck I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I don't, I love dancing. I love fitness. I love wellness. I love nutrition. I was a personal trainer, like doing all of it. Hmm. But I thought I had to be, you know, some type of a degree. And he's just like, well, you know, they have a dance, they have a, they have a dance team. there." It's like, what? He's like, yeah. And you get paid. I was like, what? Like you didn't just get paid to be on a dance team. I was like, what? So I went and I auditioned and it was interesting. I actually, part of what led me on my journey into getting my doctorate in chiropractic and then, uh, you know, natural health was dance. And it was there that I was on, I was on this, this dance troupe and um, I actually was a choreographer and we got into the 1996 Olympics. I'm totally dating myself, but, but it was through this journey that I found my way to wrestling. So here I am in the 1996 Olympics, dancing a piece that I had helped to choreograph in front of like all the, you know, people of the yeah. world. And I was nine months away from graduating with my doctorate to go out and be this doctor. And I thought, I've only got a little bit of time left. I want to go do as much dance as possible. I want to do every audition that I can. I want to go out and just you know, be told a gazillion times and be told yes, as many times as possible. Like, I just want to go do it and have that experience. Yeah. And it was in that window when um, wrestling found me actually, because I was at where I lived, where it's just so happened that I live in Atlanta, Georgia at the time I trained and I was a fitness instructor and a personal trainer at the gym where all of the professional wrestlers were. And, yeah, wow. out. and I had actually choreographed. I was the choreographer for then Diamond Dallas Page's wife, Kimberly, for her fitness competitions. And so she was like, oh my gosh. And so long story short, it kind of was just through this whole <laughs> fitness connection that we met and my, my ability, my love of dance and then being a choreographer and helping her that all of a sudden the crazy wild world of wrestling found me. And, and there was a whole other dimension of going, wow, there's so much more to life. Like, you know, we each kind of show up, we're in our normal everyday world, and then you get mm. a new exposure and you're like, everything I thought I knew, I was totally wrong. There's a whole other <laughs> <laughs> a whole So other much more. <laughs> so much more. <laughs> uh, it's so, so, so true. What an incredible, um, yeah, story there. I, um, I love your work at the moment, you're dealing with helping people thrive and flourish. I uh, often have a conversation with friends around just the, the meaning of great health, extraordinary health. In your own words, uh, how would you best describe a thriving, lim limitless individual? That is a great question. It's, it's personal. It's personal, right? For each of us. But if I were to just give my opinion and my perception on it, mm. to me, my wish that I have for each person in expressing their greatest thriving state, it is expression and an expression of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual um, capacity. So the words that I would say is it's, it's the moments where you touch those spaces and places that energize you that fill you, 
that lift you up, that call you forward and expand you. And to me, it's not just about certain blood markers or biometrics or trying to Mm. fit into the norms. It's, you know, I think that this thriving life is so deeply, intimately personal for each of us. And what we're not often invited to do is to truly dream our biggest dream, 10 exit, 100 exit. If I had the courage, if I had the energy, if I had the capacity, if I had the vitality, if I had the will, if I had the desire, if I had just the the notion that it could be possible, Mm. what would I desire for myself? And I believe that a thriving life at our fullest has to start with asking ourselves some bigger questions, some heart opening, life filling, soul giving type of questions. And that's, that's where we start to get really curious and we start to feel the pulsation and go and realize that a thriving life is the impulse that calls us forward into the next, into the next. It is what is literally embedded in our genetic code. It is that evolutionary drive to know more of our truth, more of our capacity, more of who we are and who we're here to be. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. um, Gives me chills. In, uh, in, in your book, Codes of Longevity, there's a little excerpt in there that um, I was reading and it was super interesting, talking about lifespan. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just read it to you. So basically, it says the idea of living longer is at zero interest if it means we experience a decline in the quality of our health. It's, it's such an interesting one because, like, you could speak to anybody and most people want to live as long as they physically can. But lifespan isn't the only piece of the puzzle, isn't it? Because often we're finding that people are living longer and longer these days due to improvements in quality of health, uh, medical fields, but they're not necessarily thriving longer in age, are they? And we're seeing this, this increased lifespan, but a declining later years in life. How important... Uh, the, the concepts that you reference in your book about health span and well span. Can we, can we yeah. talk about those a little bit? Yes, they are everything. Yeah. And I'm so glad you asked this because please put a hand up, interrupt me if I go too long, <laughs> because this is like my <laughs> sweet spot. So here's the thing. We can absolutely look and we see unequivocally lifespan has been increasing year over year for the past hundred years. And yes, much of it is modern, you know, it's sanitation, it's modern medicine. It's, it's just some of these like simple advancements really in hygiene and kind of how we're protecting ourselves and our environment. And yet we're living longer. But the big question is, are we living better? Because, you know, I'm getting ready next week. My second season of my longevity summit airs. So this is a very timely conversation. We can look and see, especially in the U.S., which is where I'm living right now is at 45%. And these are pretty standard numbers we're now seeing, unfortunately, globally, that about 45% of our population um, has a chronic disease. And what we know as we age chronologically is that from 30 on, decade over decade, 
that risk of chronic disease increases. And by the time we hit our 60th decade, it radically, it really amplifies up. So it's kind of a little bit of slow crawl. It's gradually mm. a couple of percent each year. And once we hit that, you know, that 60, and by the time we hit 65, there's this really big shift of going like, you're in that kind of danger zone. And so, but here's where it gets, the, there's so many interesting pieces to this, Chris, because so we can look and say, okay, well, we're not necessarily living better. Lots of chronic disease. Um, and we're seeing that it's really starting to have the most major effect when starting in our 30s and a slow drip over time and really amplifying in our 60s. And yet we're living longer. So then that means we're not necessarily like who wants to go from 60 to 80 or 90 miserable, right? Symptomatic, mm. like struggling with disease, living on medications. That's not exciting for anyone. And no. And with this, there's something else really interesting happening simultaneously. So what the research has been showing us since about 2018, that we're living in a time where population is flipping. So while many people are like, we're overpopulated. Oh my gosh, that's, this is a pandemic. They're trying to kill everybody else. No, no. Like we can look and we can actually see that population has been decreasing. And by 2030, there's going to be more 65-year-olds than 18-year-olds in many pockets around the world. There's going to be one in, one out of every five people will be 65 and older. And, and part of that is just because many of us, I mean, I know I've only got one kid. You know, my parents had two of us. Well, actually, they had, <laughs> my dad and stepmother had another two, so there was four of us in total. But I had one, right? And so I've already halved what my parents did. And that's kind of the trend is that many families today are having, instead of five and eight children, they're having one to three, you know, and so mm. just even that change over the past 20, 30 years is what's um, adding to a lot of this. And so, so now this is where it gets really interesting. And why does health span and well span actually become really important is we're living longer. Are we living better? Have we really thought that we could live longer? And now that we know that we can, the real question becomes, well, maybe we haven't been living longer because we haven't really find a life worth living. And this is kind of a big idea. And what I mean by this is you're like, but Melissa, we all want to live as long as possible. We do, of course. But think about how many of us get up and get out every day and it's more the same, more the same. And even if we're intentional, we take the time to journal, you know, we do a little meditation in the morning. The moment we get into the routine of the day, so much of it is on autopilot, right? And so much mm -hmm. of it becomes, even if we start very intentional, it becomes reactionary. And so for most of us, we're going through the motions and life is we're reacting and responding to the next and the next and the next. And we are not often enough invited into a conversation within ourselves, within our families, within our communities, within our politics, our governance to say, hold up, like this is today and it's feeling kind of crazy, but let's get out ahead of this. Like if, like who's really, and there are some governing bodies, like who's really sitting back right now and go, wait, 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 let's get out ahead of, let's get out ahead of the pandemic. Let's look out five years. Mm. Let's look out 10 years. Let's look out a hundred years. What is the type of world we want to be living in? You know, like this is no fun for anybody, right? Being in lockdowns mm. and all the kind of things. And so we clearly know what we don't want. So now this gives rise to us going, okay, so if we don't want that, what do we want? And, and so longevity, lifespan in and of itself is about life extension. 
But what's happening? And Chris, here's a really big thing. This is like, this just has been blowing my mind as well, because although I've known this and I've been talking about this for years, I teach a ton of continuing education or in certification courses to my fellow um, integrative health and wellness clinicians. And I've been saying, we are in the precipice of a shift. Well, this July, this past July, just a little over a month ago, there was a huge new research study that came out and it was published in Nature. And David Sinclair, one of the you know holy grails of longevity, um, yes. helped to publish this paper, which what they really looked at was said, hey, let's look at the economics of aging. So we typically think of the economics of sick care, of disease, and there's a cost to it. The 45% of the population here in the U.S. is about hmm. $3.7 trillion that that costs us every year. But what this study wow. found is it's, a, it's, a, it's immense, right? Like not just billions. Yeah, billions, it's huge. Trillions. Huge. T, t. Trillions. Yeah. And so this study said, okay, let's look at the cost of, if, of aging, the economic value within it. Could there be a value to aging? was the kind of hypothesis. And they looked at, a, at several different examples of, do we just want to compress it? Like they, they went through, and I'll save kind of all the variables of the study, but here's the big thing that's really important, is that where they landed in this was rec- realizing through running these algorithms and these programs and these scenarios and these models is that by slowing down the rate at which we age and and in so doing, extending lifespan, the, qual- the, the length of life, and the quality of life by one year, we put $38 trillion into the economy. Now, what that wow. means is that wipes out the U.S. national debt. Like that one year <laughs> of it, <laughs> wow. right? And so, so, this, so here's why this is really powerful. Like what I don't know, what I don't think many people grasp yet is this. This, this study is the paradigm shifter, and here's why. We have for so long created models and and consumer and, and financial and revenue models based around sick care. And that looks at lifespan. That looks as if the body in a traditional model is mechanistic, reductionistic, a piece and a part, an organ, a system, a cell in a Petri dish, in an isolated environment, in a research lab. But we're so much more than that. We're complex dynamic systems, right? We're not just living in a lab. We're not isolated. We're not just a single pathway. There are, and this is where my passion, of course, for epigenetics comes in. Mm. There's this dynamic Mm. interplay between the outer world and the inner world constantly unfolding. And so here's why this study is huge. It's about to turn the traditional model on its ear. And the reason why is because all we're really looking at through a research lens is the biology. And we still need to do that. Like the body does need support. There's no doubt about that. So mm. we want to understand pathways. We want, we want to understand biology. We want to understand how we can slow down and reverse age so we can have more years. But, mm. but they're saying if this isn't just about life extension, we need to look at how we increase the quality of life. So that now raises a much different question. And this is where health span, how healthy we feel, and well span, which is our well-being, our purpose, our joy, what our why, what gets us out of bed, what mm. makes life mm. worth living. Now these factors more than ever come into the equation. And the money 
and the research dollars that are going into all this, these are not from government. These in pharmaceuticals, these are in, from private sector. These are billionaires and, you know, investment funds that are looking to say, how can we democratize and bring solutions direct to consumer? Because we can't wait on, you know, these, these outdated paradigms to kind of catch up with where we're actually at. Yeah. So I know I just talked for a really long time and I, that's why I kind of said, Hey, like, please wait. No. <laughs> no. See the time out on me because there's a couple of really big points in there, right? Like this is, this is some big stuff. We are truly at this game changing point where lifespan, yes, but more importantly, we have to look at and really contemplate for ourselves individually, but then collectively, what does this mean for us mm. when all of a sudden we are considering health span and wealth span also. No, huge, huge points. Based on your experience and, and the research, I know that you you host the Longevity Summit with some absolutely incredible minds in, in this field of human optim, optimization, longevity. What are some of the, the core areas that people can focus on to increase their health span and well span. I understand you could probably speak for hours on this, but I guess just from your own yeah. viewpoint, what are, what are the key ones? I'll keep it short because <laughs> I know there's a lot. There's a lot. It's, it's complex. <laughs> I have to remember, yeah. I love all this, but everybody else may not geek out about it as much as I well. so Just some bullet points. So, yeah, cool. you know, and I think, I think really I'm going to follow, uh, I'm going to follow Sergey Young. And I think he has really divided it in a great way. As a doctor, I think of it from a triage standpoint, immediate, short-term, long-term. He calls it now, near, and far horizon. So it's the same kind of concept, but it's it's what is what is within our grasp right now today that you and I can do for ourselves that absolutely will move the needle and help us to reverse mm -hmm. age. I'll talk about that in a moment. The next part is, okay, short term, what's coming in the next five to 10 years that, um, that we can leverage that will add to enhancing the expression of our health and, and really enhancing our capacity to thrive in more facets of our life. And then the long term in the far horizon, as Sergey calls it, is really more as we're looking out towards that 15 to 25 year marker. And, um, and so, so when we break this down, if I'm going to talk about longevity, step one, you know, there's really, I'm going to take a moment and say, we have to say, why do we age, right? What, what is really going on? Mm. If I have to give it one name, I'm going to call it inflammaging. This isn't all the, the research and the documents, mm. but all the different inputs to the system. When there's too much for too long, our foot is on the gas for too long. And let's just call mm. that chronic stress in the form of physical, mm. mental, emotional, chemical, environmental. Too much for too long without time to rest, to reset, to rejuvenate, to regenerate, the body is going to be in a constant breakdown state. And the longer we are in this chronic distress, then the byproduct of this metabolic chaos is inflammation, is inflammation, which has been termed inflammaging. And when you look at mm. the nine hallmarks of aging, which is what science has said, hey, here are the nine main reasons of why the body's going to age, why it's going to break down, why it's ultimately going to, you know, stop working. And so, of course, what research does is, that, well, here's the nine hallmarks. So let's find the solutions to, to 
you know, mitigate those paths, like to support, to stop it, to slow it down, to reverse it. So, so from this standpoint, when we think, okay, inflammation, and we, if we were to give it that simple name and go, well, stress. So what are the things that yes. we can do right now today that cost us nothing that we know in the research, absolutely slow down the rate of aging, help to reduce the inflammatory response in our body, which will ultimately increase our energy, our memory, our focus, our concentration, our performance, the things that we need right now just to show up today. And so the, the easy things are lifestyle. And I will be even more specific here in just a moment. What we know through the research is that 75% of what drives this inflammation process are lifestyle factors. And while mm. I'm sure you talk about this a ton on the show, I really want to invite your listeners right now to just, just have a, you know, let's just have a truth moment because we all get what we tolerate. We, whether we like to hear that or not, like if we really turn the mirror on ourselves, we get what we tolerate. And if we truly mm. want a different outcome, we have to be willing to just without judgment and blame and shame to ourselves, we have to be compassionate to ourselves and go, okay, I know more today than I did yesterday. So cool. As I know better, mm -hmm. I can do better. So what is it that I want today? And the moment that we kind of turn that mirror and we just say, what have I been tolerating? And what have I been enabling? What have I been allowing? What do I keep saying I'm going to do tomorrow, 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 tomorrow? And how many more times do I need to hear that lifestyle alone is 75% of the solution. I keep hoping Jeez. that there's going to be a new pill or a new peptide or a new treatment or a new laser or a new piece of biotech. Like, gang, come on. Like, if we really think about it, Chris, I mean, you and I know we've both been to paleo. It's fun to go geek out and like and hack all the yeah. stuff. But what is all that really trying to do? It's trying to hack and make up for what we are mm. out of balance within our own body. Yeah. Right? Such a, such a good point. And so here's what the research says. So here's something really cool. This, this is a pretty new one, peer reviewed, um, the Helgoft Institute. It was an eight week study. They looked at four lifestyle factors. They looked at in eight weeks, this group, uh, there was 49 participants in this study that what they did is they looked at, um, sleep seven to nine hours a night. Sleep gang. You want to know how to age in reverse. You want to know how to be healthy, how to live a long life well and actually thrive. You have to give your body sleep. No video game is worth staying up too late. No email is worth <laughs> it. Like all that stuff is compromising the very thing, that you mm. want, right? So let's just be honest with ourselves. What and what kind of yeah. stuff are we watching before bed? That's keeping our system amped up. How many drinks are we having mm. that's putting too much sugar, right, into the bloodstream? <laughs> so it's okay. I'm not judging. I, I can get it. We all do it. We do it. But We're all guilty. We're all guilty, and that's okay. <laughs> but these truth moments to go, cool, seven to nine mm. hours. Okay, I can do that. I can do that. I can do it. And uh, then the next piece was nutrition. Well, you know, there's always fun things around nutrition, but guess what? This was pretty simple nutrition. This wasn't any crazy diet. It was really just looking at a more Mediterranean, and I'm just going to call it clean. So it had lean proteins, yeah. healthy fats, you know, non-processed foods, just for, uh, fruits mm. and veggies. That's, that's it. That's all they did. And they, they yeah. ate normal calories. There was no calorie restriction. It was just more whole food based. Sleep, whole food, um, movement. 
not even a specific mm-hmm. type. I'm not going to tell you to do CrossFit. I'm not going to tell you to go freaking, you know, like just movement, <laughs> mild yeah. to moderate intensity, 20 to 30 minutes a day. And mindfulness. Now, mindfulness, we can call that stress resilience capacity. But what I love about mindfulness is it's so simple, right? It's all it is, is just coming into a single-minded focus in this moment. We can all be mindful right now. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a way to be mindful right now, Chris. Chris, I want you to really notice what your right foot, your right big toe, what's happening with your right big toe right now? <laughs> raised up to the sky. <laughs> See, but what did your brain do? It went to the right big toe and it noticed it raised up to the sky, yeah. right? Yeah. Was, you were to be mindful. All you did was you brought your yeah. mind to that point, to one fixed directive and you, everything else went away. And that's all mindfulness is, gang. Like, it doesn't have to be mm. complex, right? It's just going, oh, what's one thing I can focus on instead of 20 things of multitasking in this moment? So these four elements for eight weeks, nothing extreme. They aged in reverse by three years, biologically. Yeah, wow. Biological age reversal in by three years in eight weeks. And that's just lifestyle. I will tell you fundamentally, Chris, from the research movement, if I had to tell you just one thing, I mean, there's a couple of big things, but in the right now, what you can do and you can make a non-negotiable for yourself is to move your body and to do Mm. it in nature. So move outside in natural sunlight, get reconnected to your natural environment Mm. and circadian rhythms. If you can go move, you know, in the morning and you can break it up. It doesn't have to be constant. Can you go move for 10 minutes in the morning, early in the morning and get some natural sunlight coming in, get that sun gazing. That's going to prime you. That's going to prime that, that those natural um, clocks within your body. It's going to already set you up for a good night's sleep. So you want, you're not sleeping well. Let's get some morning sunlight. Let's get a little bit of morning movement. Um, You know, so if you can get out and move in nature, that's going to help everything else to really fall into place because when you get that sunlight exposure, it sets your clocks. Eating is on a clock. Like if we get really, whether mm. we're doing a 12 hour time restricted window, we're eating every four hours, we're eating every eight hours, like whatever. It's about finding that rhythm, that, that rhythm because life is cycle. So the immediate is lifestyle, move, nourish, Rest. Best thing I can mm. tell you for yourself. Those are the immediate, immediate places. I can go into the others, Those. but I want to give pause. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Honestly, they're the, the lowest hanging fruit for people. They're, they're attainable, manageable. Yeah, just habits, right? Just developing those habits. And and Chris, you know, it's fascinating to me. And look, I go through times myself. You guys, I teach this. I live it. I breathe it. I love it. Um, and there are days that I am in front of this computer from 9 a.m. Mm. until 7 p.m. because I'm doing interviews back to back. I'm working with my patients and my clients in telemedicine. And, and as much as I want to be out playing, moving, relaxing, resting, resetting, it doesn't happen. So I may not be able to get even 10 minutes, but guess what I do? When I come up from my home office and I go up and it's time for lunch, while I'm preparing my lunch, I go out and I stand on my deck and I just take even 60 Mm. seconds to get some sunlight, 60 seconds to just close my eyes and slow down my breath. I may not get 30 minutes that day. I may not even get to go out for a walk that day, 
So sometimes I'll sit here at my desk and in between meetings, like I will literally do, you know, isometric contractions. I'll be like, all right, I'm just going to squeeze. I'm going to like do a little bit. Sometimes I have to just visualize and give some feedback to my body and let it know it's as if we're moving so that I'm still not being, I'm not being sedentary per se. I'm still being really life-giving to Mm. it. So I think that the best thing we could all do is have a little grace and courtesy with ourselves, a little kindness and go, it's not, it's not this regimented thing. It's not 20 minutes on and 12 hours off. And we get too rigid and many of us just want the answer. Yep. The biggest breakthrough in one of the biggest breakthroughs in longevity in health and wellness in this shift of the paradigm is that it's, we're completely moving away from the pieces and the parts and the one size fits all approach. Mm. Mm. We truly are in the land of precision and guess what precision and personalized medicine actually means. Guess what, you know, just wearable technology gives us is the ability to all of a sudden be participatory in our health and to go, you know what? I actually was telling this story earlier. When I first got my Garmin, um, it was, you know, this was a couple of years ago and it was the, it was the end of the year. I had been doing so many conferences. I like so much was going on. I was traveling all the time. It was Christmas. You're trying to make everything right and good for the (laughs) kids. And I get my watch and my stress level was elevated at a 79. And I said, okay. Yeah, well. Right? And my son is like, yo. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm vacation. This is supposed to be nice. I'm like, this system is like not happening now. I said, yeah. you know what, bud? I said, let, let me show you this. Let's do this together. I said, I'm going to do a little coherence for 60 seconds. I'm going to slow down my breathing. I'm going to bring my breath and my intention to my heart. And I'm just going to let some feelings of gratitude and appreciation flow in and out of my heart with each breath. And I'm going to do it for 60 seconds. And I did that for 60 seconds. And my stress score went from 79 down to 23 in 60 seconds. Yeah. Wow. So we forget that these little moments add up. It's the little moments that Mm. we may not have 10 minutes. We may not have 30 minutes. We may not have a week to get away And so I think if I could really impart anything to your audience right now, Chris, is the power in the toggle switch, the power in the micro moments. And instead of feeling Mm. like we have to do it like everybody else, to really dial into our own biometrics, to our own physiology, to our own response, and just realize like, wow, I'm really powerful. In 60 seconds, I completely changed Mm. my state. And I went from a state of fight or flight, chronic, sympathetic, dominant stress, distress into a state of parasympathetic rest and digest. The two systems cannot be on simultaneously, right? Mm. So I toggled out of the overdrive into the ease. And even if it's 60 seconds, that can be enough to give your body just that little, we got to get out ahead of all this stuff, gang, right? Like, just like we haven't gotten far out enough ahead to really stop and pause and look back and say, what kind of world and life is worth living to 120, 150, and 200? Mm. That reality is here. So let's not be reactionary anymore. Let's start to pause and realize that these little micro moments can give us, get us out ahead and get us out ahead. And we want to keep stacking these micro moments 
keep getting out further and further ahead so we can go, let me look back and be intentional. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. Melissa, I think that's probably one of the most powerful messages that our audience can take away today. Mm -hmm. Just those micro moments. It's like, I'm, I'm so guilty of that as well. Just with the, the dad hat on the, the, the business owner hat and everything else. Sometimes we're just so frantic going from A to B that we just don't take a moment just to dial in, breathe deeply. I've, I've, I've actually started leaving the phone away from me when I'm eating meals now, just so I can actually sit and be present and eat. And because yeah, just like me, so many others are checking emails while they're eating food and yeah, just not truly resting and digesting and yeah. assimilating all that nutrition. So I think the biggest takeaway guys, micro moments, you do have time to, to go out and get some sunlight for a moment. You can check in, you can be mindful for a second, take a deep breath. Yeah. Hug somebody. Mm. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Yourself too, gang. We can still, we'll still <laughs> you know, oxytocin. <laughs> just realize, gang, we have set the bar so high for ourselves. And the higher we set it, the more we disappoint ourselves every day. And what's happening at an, un I have chills thinking about this. And I've gone through this awareness myself. So I'm like, holy crap, I'm letting myself down every single day because I'm not keeping my word to myself. Because I can get a lot done. Mm. I'm a high achiever. I, I do a lot for myself and for those that I'm here to serve. Yet it's like, oh, I can do more. I can do more. I can do more. And then I start <laughs> to realize like, crap, I'm letting balls drop. And, and even if I'm getting all the to-dos done, am I really honoring what I need first? Because I cannot show up and serve, give and love and serve the, the most fully for everything that I love and everyone I love in my life if I do not begin within myself first, right? And so we do have to recognize the power in the micro moment, the power in saying, instead of trying to overload myself, let me underload myself. Let me do one thing really well and like crush it. And when I do that, then if I've got more bandwidth and more capacity, then I can say, great, now let me do this next. But then everything becomes a win. Because I think we're all drowning, Chris, in this feeling of not enoughness and not there yet mm. because we keep putting too much on ourselves and we don't just say, whoa, and, and we then we break the promises to ourselves left and right. And listen, unconsciously, you know, trauma is a big conversation right now globally. Mm. And, and the biggest trauma that so many of us have gone through is the trauma that we have. And we don't want to hear this. I mean, this was one of my big ahas this year is the trauma that we have imparted on ourselves. And what I mean mm. is on an unconscious level, many of us have a split within ourselves. There's a part of us that who we don't trust, who we're protecting ourselves from is ourself. Because I'm the one consciously going, come on, there's more, there's more. Let me show you. Let me do this. Let me do that. I'm going to show da, 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 da. And we keep going and going. And, oh my God, we got to do this and we got to do that. This is expected of us. And, and this is what this person's doing. So that means I have to do it too. And we keep going and going. And there's this part of us going, dude, you just don't get it. You're not listening to me. You're not honoring me. You are, you are just like, who are you? Like, I don't want anything to do with you. And so this very part of us that is our most powerful part starts to close down while the other part of us is trying to go, no, come on, it's going to be great. Like, we're just going to go 10 exit. <laughs> There's one more 
thing. We're going to do this one more thing. It's all going to be great. <laughs> and it, and we feel like we're one step away from either greatness or crashing and burning. Right. And mm-hmm. like so many of us into a greater or lesser extent, it's like, Oh, and it's just going, yeah, just simplify one thing, one thing today, one thing in this moment, take a micro moment and, and let yourself really appreciate how you are showing up and quit needing it to be more and more and more like, Go full in on this thing now, savor it, get your power from that. That's going to expand your capacity. Take even five minutes, you know, like to go ahead and let's rest, reset, do nothing for five minutes, go daydream. And then let's go into our next chunk and start again. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Melissa, I'm really interested to learn from your experience how you, because you're a, you're a mom, you've got a, a son, how you approach parenting through the lens of epigenetics. <laughs> Chris, if you and I, you know, when you and I spoke two years ago at Paleo, much different. I'm a teenager now. I have a high schooler. Yeah. High schooler. <laughs> wow. High schooler. Um, and, and it's, you know what, but I will say this. I love it. It's, it's so fascinating. And I only have one. So it's a little different. I think when you only have one, you know, like mm. good, bad, and ugly, they get all of you. And sometimes that's bad. <laughs> and you get all of them until you don't, yeah. until they become a teenager. And then you're cut off. Mm. Um, <laughs> like, ah. but, <laughs> you know, but my son, like it or not, he's, he's grown up within this. And so part of it is laughable mm. to him. Part of it's cool. Um, I think, in, I think intuitively he's a shaman at heart and he's like, you know, I really <laughs> do. He'll come into that in his own, in his own time. Um, you know, but since he was old enough to communicate verbally, when when they're super little and they don't quite have their words yet, they're 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 experiencing something, but they don't know how to emote, how to give it a name, what that emotion is, and so that's why the terrible twos are so terrible and threes mm. because they just don't know yet what <laughs> this is, right? And they're pushing out, and they seem like ah, but they're just that they're learning, and so at a very mm. young age. From an epigenetic standpoint, we really started with giving him the capacity to exercise emotional intelligence and to give him permission to know it was okay to to actually feel whatever he was feeling, even if he didn't know what to call it. And so I do a lot within um, neuro-linguistic psychology, so NLP. And so, you know, one of the things that it teaches you, this is all the science of linguistics, but there's a whole science of of words beyond words. Like words are so primal. They do not really express the capacity of emotions, right? But we try, we try to label what love is. We try to label what passion is, Mm. joy, like, but it doesn't ever give it enough depth. And so at a, at a, so one of the, the techniques in NLP is to kind of go abstract. And when you just don't know what something is or how to wrap your head around it, you can do things like give it a shape or a color. And so at a very young age, I started to use this technique with my son when there weren't quite words yet. So we would, we would give these feelings, these things that he didn't know, a shape and a color. And then we could talk to the shape right. and the color. So it gave a little bit of dimension and a little separation. So it didn't feel like it was him or on him or in him or he was doing something wrong or failing. So it gave some 
separation, which then gives us perspective. The moment we push out here versus right up here, we can see more. We can access more information. So my point of this is that we started a lot of this when he was really young, um, you know, helping him to understand and feel really confident about his choices. Although now as a teenager, it's interesting because there are times like he's just like, yeah, I want macaroni and cheese. I'm like, oh my God, you know, like, no. Like, <laughs> he was out with his girlfriend and they're like having a slushie. I'm like, no, not a slushie. No. <laughs> and, and what's really funny, it's a stress for me. It's not for him, right? He's just like, mom. Like it, for him, it's not like he's doing it every day all the time, right? And and he's like I said, he's fourteen, um, and you have to give them autonomy. So what it, what it comes down mm. to from an epigenetic standpoint is this: one of the most important levers is our power of perception and our cultural perceptions, what we've been raised with, what we know. And my son is incredibly intelligent. He has so much emotional capacity, and it's in there. And when I just step back and I watch from afar he handles things like a boss, you know, when there's too much mom around, then it's, mm. it's, it's a little different. And so it's about going, all right, let's help them to understand the why and let's give them some tools to experience and practice it for themselves and know that there's going to come a time that they're going to use it and other times that they're not, but that's how we all learn, right? We have to go through mm. the contrast. And so it's, it's really quite fascinating that, the more I try to control, so perception, if I'm telling him something's bad, I'm informing his very biology. So I, you know, so this epigenetic phenomena is the foods we're eating, the air we're breathing, the environments we're in, the thoughts we're thinking, and, and how we are thinking of something stressful. Is it good for us or bad for us? And so I don't have it right at all. I mean, I'm messing up every day as a parent. We all do, you know. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> it's just, but they teach us as much as we teach them. And, and yeah. I think that's the biggest lesson my husband and I have had to learn. Like, wait, we are not, my parent. you know, our parents all do our best when we're parents. But we don't mm. want to parent the way our parents did because it was because I said so. And from an so epigenetic standpoint, that's a constriction Right. That's a, that is a lockdown on those that, that is creating a distress in the system, which, which is going to increase the potential for more methylation marks, inflammation. So I'd rather right. create, even around a longevity principle, is this mindset of resiliency, of flexibility, of anti-fragility. So I think what I've had to come to, and like I said, I have some days this is really easier to embrace than others, is to say, if I can create a container and provide as a parent the knowing and the resources and the access to buoyancy, to choice and resiliency, to let him fall and to let him know it's safe and it's essential to get back up. And it's okay to, like, he's going through high school. He's brand new in high school. And today we literally had this talk. It's like hormesis, a hormetic stressor. There are certain kids in his class. He's, he's not, he's kind of like, I don't know, mom, there's some kids. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, and he had a challenge the other day and today he didn't, you know, I'm like, Hey, each day you face it each day. You, you let yourself just feel those uncomfortable emotions or those great emotions. Mm. You experience it and you move through it and you know that you did it and it's okay. 
It's, it's hormesis. Like we're exposing ourselves to a challenge. Then you come home and you rest and you reset. And guess what that is? That's you stress. That's the good stress for the system that then allows us to actually grow. And so epigenetically, I am just trying to create the container where he can feel what he needs to feel, have his experiences, move through challenges with success, have success with joy, to celebrate it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and to come home and rest. And sleep is a non-negotiable because when we mm. sleep and we rest and we unplug, then we can reset and get out and, and keep that genetic code as... Um, optimized as possible. <laughs> now, it's really, really a good point that you make there because I'm a, I'm a dad of three as well and, and my eldest little boy has just started prep. So he's six and a half this year and it's a natural tendency for mothers and, and, and fathers to want to just wrap them up and protect them from, from the, the, the big bad world out there. But you make a really, really valid point that this eustress the, the the little moments that challenge them in vulnerable environments, going to a new class, new new students, actually is creating resiliency within them as well. If we just protect them and don't put them into these environments, then it's going to impact on their resilience and I guess those epigenetic changes as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm, powerful. <sighs> We've been talking for a while and I could honestly talk for another hour, but <laughs> I don't think our listeners probably have that <laughs> in them. Um, I, <laughs> I can't wait to, <laughs> I can't, can't wait to share some of those blooper, blooper reels as well from earlier. <laughs> Please. But I would, <laughs> I would like to finish with your longevity summit, which is next week, I believe. Yes. Can you, uh, Tell our listeners a little bit about that one. Yeah, the uh, longevity. It, it looks, it looks ph phenomenal. Thank you, Chris. It is, it's airing. So it's a free event, four days with some of the top leading longevity, integrative health and biohacking, human performance, optimizing experts on the planet. Um, we're having conversations that to me, it's really important to tell, to share and show the ways where we blend the latest in science, cutting edge technology, and really showing that in conjunction with ancient wisdoms, ancient technologies, ancient therapies, to then have the perspective to say, great, when we look at modern and we look at future and we look at ancient and past, then that starts to reveal a bit of what it means to really be human and what's available to us so that we can now have greater understandings of what is possible in the here and now for better modern living solutions. Um, and so the event, you know, there's, there's some talks that are a little bit more clinical. We've got a lot of doctors on there, but I think what's really exciting for the, for the participant is you're really hearing just authentic conversations with these practitioners and providers about how they're, how they're approaching patient care, the things that become really important, you know, if we're thinking longevity, the, what I, the story I wanted to tell this season was not just how do we live longer and better, but because there is already this population that is sick, let's not leave them out. So how do we heal? Because healing, it, it's not like you're sick and you're done and that's it. You're stuck with it and you have to live on a medication. That is absolutely false and incorrect. You are completely innately designed to heal. So how do we heal so we can thrive to truly live life optimized? Two, 
120, 150, 200. All of these numbers are now, we see it in the literature. We know how to do it. Age reversal is a real thing. It's happening. We're tracking it. More and more is coming to market. So the four-day event is free. Um, it's kind of on demand. So it's free on the day of. And people can upgrade. Mm. We're doing a really cool VIP experience that after the summit, I'm actually going to be running a 12 weeks to 120 masterclass series with myself and awesome. 22 of our top featured speakers. So each week they're going to get to be in a really private kind of, you know, immersive experience. Um, we're going to walk them through their own longevity blueprint. So I'm so excited about this season. I, it's funny. It's like, I've, at first, it's kind of like, yeah, I just want to get a few more interviews. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, so much. This has been like the biggest <laughs> year yet. Like, this is going to be. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the longevitysummit.com um, is where people can find out about that. And, you know, I invite people to always come find out. You know, you can always find out what's happening with the longevity stuff because this um, event, we will probably be releasing at least twice a year a, a version of it because it's just a really awesome. rapidly advancing arena. So docmelissa.com is where people can find it. D-O-C, Melissa, docmelissa.com is where I'll always have stuff about the summits and about our Human Longevity Institute. You know, so for both clients and clinicians alike, we have one side of what we do to certify clinicians and then the other side of what I do, which is, you know, working with clients in a precision longevity model. So, so much going on. Awesome. And, and those dates for the summit of the 25th to the 29th of August. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go to longevity, the longevity summit, let me get that right. Dot com. You'll <laughs> see everything there and um, you guys can get a free ticket. You'll be immediately unlocked like eight bonus gifts and three early sessions, depending on when you hear this and watch this. Um, so yeah, and we'll, we will probably keep some of those free gifts up even after the summit. So if you miss it, if you're hearing this after the fact, you know, we'll probably keep a few of those interviews up so that you can get it, get on the kind of early bird list for the next round of when we do it. Amazing. Doc, Melissa, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you over the last hour. Thank you so much for sharing that invaluable information for the Amped Wellness audience. Thank you, Chris. This was my honor and pleasure. Thank you so much. All the best with the Longevity Summit. I'll definitely be uh, tuning in. I can't wait. And, uh, yeah, you take care. All right. right, you as well, my friend. Thank you all so much. Cheers.